In prior Philosophy of Language episodes, I've tried to summarize subtle and very convoluted issues in the philosophy of language. In this episode, I'm going to give you concrete examples of these philosophy of language issues at work, especially to see how they work in terms of keeping the working class and class struggle continuing. I recently came across a law review article arguing for the treatment of water as a person under the law in order to give it many, if not all, of the protections granted persons under the law. I skimmed it and had a good laugh, but it then occurred to me how this article is a good exemplification or microchasm of the nature of modern language and of various topics in the philosophy of language, such as the absence of any meaning for words other than their use and usefulness in any given context. For the water, I'm sorry, for the moment, water most definitely does not fall into any meaning of person except in an aesthetic sense created by poets or rhetoric. However, the same could have been said at one time for entities, concepts, attributes, or things such as corporations, unincorporated companies, associations, trusts, municipalities, and even the European Union, which is considered a person under much of European law. Heck, even rivers are recognized as persons in some African national legal systems and in tribal legal systems in other countries. For example, in New, New Zealand, its law now recognizes one of its uh, rivers as a person, supposedly out of respect of Maori tribal law, which worships that specific river as an ancestor of the tribe. So why not add water to the list of human and non-human entities recognized as persons by the law? Why stop at water? Why not treat fire, mountains, the sky, or anything else needing legal protection uh, such as water, why not treat all of these as a person? The Maori culture historically also worships ritual warfare, slavery, cannibalism, sexual abuse of women, killing of female children, and even revenge killings. Why does not New Zealand law recognize any of these as persons needing respect under the law? Obviously, the cultural process by which words change meaning is convoluted, Yet it is amazing and impressive how smoothly and quickly such changes can occur when those in power want to change their meaning. Even when the changes encompass or assume radical changes both in the background and foundation metaphysics and physical interpretations of reality. An obvious example of such radical changes in both metaphysics and physical conceptualizations, conceptualizations of reality is the recent popular and very powerful adoption of radical changes in both metaphysical and physical meanings of the words gender and sex over a period of only the last few years. Despite this convoluted process and the subtle concepts that I discussed in prior episodes on the philosophy of language, practically speaking, in the daily occurrence of the use of language, and the change in its meanings consisting of the change in the use and usefulness of words. There are two universal aspects of this process of meaning change brought out by this simple example of water beginning its path to becoming a person, and also by the disputes of the last few years and presently for the meaning changes of sex and gender. Number one, it results from a teleological act of a will to power 
not reason, nor is it derived from sense experience. Two, the resulting change in meaning does not embody either physical or metaphysical foreknowledge. That is, regardless of how ethically and thus aesthetically pleasing the change in meaning may be, the change in meaning will not necessarily change reality to meet the teleological motivations for the change so as to be pragmatically or even naturally true. I will cover both of these two practical aspects of philosophy of language and its everyday occurrence in the next two episodes.